You are listening to Sound and Process, Episode 4. I'm Dan Dirks. Thank you so much for joining me after this hiatus. I am very excited that we're back in full force. This episode features Angela Guyton, a brilliant artist whose work encompasses not only audio, but the visual mediums of paint, sculpture, and light. The track that kicked us off is actually the sound of Angela's breathing, processed through Max and part of her recent work with DMX Lights. The full video, available on her website, angelagaiton.com, is credited to her band Takahashi Shellfish Concern, a group that is just one chapter of her decade-long collaboration with her partner, Rodrigo Constanzo. What's most striking to me about Angela's work is the balance of intentionality and levity. She's a deeply thoughtful artist, but her sense of humor keeps her art present and playful. Over the course of our conversation, she shares insights into her process that carry over to every discipline, though much of it is rooted in her experience with visual media. And I'm just so thankful to have been able to sit down with her on video chat to explore it all. Uh, My miking got a little wonky, so I apologize for the quality of my audio through the discussion. Uh, As a jumping off point, uh, I asked Angie about a series of drawings and writings she did last fall, which included the phrase, I is a dream body has. Without further ado, Sound and Process Episode 4 with Angela Guyton. So I as a dream a body has, that came from a mushroom trip where I went into my body in particular. Uh, Sometimes I go outwards, this time I went way deep and I got the impression that uh, I only knew like a sliver of um, what my body was telling me, what kind of input I was receiving. I, you know, I is the the receiver, the the conscious conscious self. I is uh, is but a a reduced version of the totality. And one one way in which I can um, have a relationship with that or access that totality is through my own body, which is made out of the same stuff. You know, it's not just cerebral. It's not just what I construct. Um, so my body being that, uh, it's not so much a filter. I don't want to say it's a filter. It's like literally the, the, the connection, you know, the umbilical cord, it is the thing. And I am allowed, I am allowed to exist. Um, and I come out of this, I comes out of this. And that's what that means. Uh, so that came out of a mushroom trip where I went in and I tried to connect, um, to, um, body parts. And I have thought about this on and off, and I'm not quite sure what what it means. It could mean nothing, but I'm going to continue thinking about it. <laughs> that uh, the the whole of uh, the phenomenal phenomenal world is um, miscommunication, but miscommunic bodily miscommunication. So I I mean that's just too big. It might just be uh, word salad, also. You know what I mean, but. Uh, <laughs> But it seems significant at the time, and it's kind of stayed with me. For your current work, 
um, you said you're doing a lot of drawings and videos. Um, what uh, What's the perspective on those? Because I, I feel like so much of what's online is uh, has to pass through a certain amount of like uh, self approval and, and and you know self judgment and things like that to feel comfortable with sharing. Um, what what shape is the unshared taking? A lot of people do have that kind of like uh, uh, I guess guarded, or you feel like there's a gate or something. I I, I feel like. Uh, I don't have that. I, you know, there's no membrane separating what I'm making now in my garage and the outside world. Um, mm. I'm not gonna, I don't often um, do gallery shows and I haven't done one in a really long time because that requires me to be my own um, PR person. And, and a lot of administrative work is involved with all that when I was involved briefly with that. It's not like I've had so many gallery shows either, but um, I found that to be like, uh, the kind of work I didn't want to do and the kind of work I do want to do is just the making of things. So um, my immediate circle of friends, people that know me or anybody that reaches out, if they want to see anything, please come on in and I will share absolutely everything and what I'm thinking. Uh, yeah. So it's, it's, I've never felt um, like I need to be withholding with any ideas or, uh, I don't feel also like anybody is, uh, I think this is a concern because it's a concern for some friends of mine that, that one might be judged when you show unfinished work or work that's very new or underdeveloped, whatever, whatever that means. Um, I was making large scale paintings uh, that were improvised in my performance group, Takashi Shellfish Concern. And one of the ways to uh, bridge the gap or try to make some sort of relationship between sound, the, the sound world and a visual world uh, ended up being through gesture. I guess I want to learn more about that mindset, working with something that has a little more um, concrete permanence than, you know, doing sound or doing, uh, you know, improvisational comedy or something like that, where it is all kind of like, well, as soon as it's out there, it dies because time, you know. Towards the end of that uh, performance art group, uh, where I was doing those shows, that that exact yeah. thing was the problem, the permanence of it. And because uh, that is actually uh, a byproduct, like a, yes, it's happening, but it's kind of like, oh, now I have this thing, um, yeah. like, <laughs> you know. Um, so I moved on to lights and uh, have done a couple shows with lights at, I think we have some, th some videos online, but not so many. It's something that Rod and I want to go back to just because of the impermanence. Um, after that performance group, uh, one of the ways I improvised and it remained in object form was through these drawings, um, these line drawings. And uh, it wasn't to music. It was to... Um, thoughts and relationships. So, so let, let's back up. There's a, a million ways to improvise, as many ways as there are to have a conversation or to figure out a puzzle or whatever it is you want to, you know, make a metaphor out of it. They're, uh, it, they're just ideas. Um, so when I was performing, uh, yes, I had an object towards then, but it wasn't like I was fulfilling a uh, vision of a work I had at the end. At every step, 
it's hard to say at what interval. Um, I only had a very, um, what is it, myopic view of time. I, I wasn't able to open up and um, take in chunks larger than, I don't know, 10 seconds, give or take, you know? So that's what the work was for me um, in those moments. And then that goes away because I'm destroying it as I'm making it as well. And I'm looking at the canvas uh, which is a foot in, in front of me. So everybody else gets to see the totality of it right. as I'm working on it full body, but I'm not. And sometimes I'll look away because I need to do something with my arm that requires me to not look at it. So it's, it, it is changing for me. Um, yeah, it, we ended up with this object at the end. And then wanting to not have that moving on to lights. Uh, and that's more amorphous and unruly than you would think, because how, how do you work with lights? Um, how do you make it uh, as expressive or as, you know, these ideas that you have while you're improvising, how do you do that through these lights? So you have fade and on and off. Okay. Now what? Yeah. You it's know? very binary. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Um, so, oh, yeah, I've tried out some things, uh, connecting it to the body so that I could, um, Instead of having an external a manifestation of, of visible work, it was more um, manifest, manifesting externally what was happening internally. Mm. Um, so, How did you achieve that? Uh, just sensors, uh, biometric sensors, breath, heart rate, pressure, and building a max patch that took... Uh, some of these things, and then cause the lights to react in a certain way. If my, say, BPM dropped below X, or if my breathing did such and such, you know. So using my body as, I guess, most people use uh, a controller, you know. Setting up parameters like that, uh, is there an awareness in the performance of it then that I, because I, it still sets a little bit of a binary, right? It's like, if I breathe in this certain way, I know I'll get a certain result. Um, I guess it is kind of like working with wet paint in, in a bit of a way where you're like, yeah, I, I, I have a medium and I know uh, I can be inspired in the moment to make a decision, but I know the result of the decision that I'll make. Yeah, definitely. Um... Yes, that's that's one of the things. So what you can do to try to uh, mediate that is the things that it can trigger um, or or fade in and out of. You you make those things be a little more um, not random, but you you know there's a feel. So I would I would come in and out of color swatches, and these color swatches or groupings of colors um, were things that I could navigate through. Uh, but I I wouldn't know exactly what would come out. That would be very boring for me also. I'm also trying to keep things interesting for myself, you know, and in, in these, um, I'm not just, like, like I said, I'm not, I'm not just driving it. I want to I wanna swim through these things. Um, and so I'm, I'm making something together with the technology, with uh, my partner, Rod, who is in charge of uh, most of the sound. Uh, at the time, he was taking uh, breathing sounds, and he was doing a bunch of other things, processing and uh, creating sounds of his own that uh, we would play off of each other, too. Um, but yeah, yeah, just those things. So, so you build in these kind of uh, probabilities, but it's not even that. Like, if you have a color swatch, you kind of know the, the world you're in, you know? Yeah. Um, and it wasn't just my, my body as a controller. I also had a controller as a controller, uh, which is really 
just gave me extra more more control. God, that's cool. That's very cool. Yeah, I want to do more of that. That excites me too. You know, that's one of those ideas that uh, isn't dead yet. You know, like the paintings, I feel uh, that's that's come and gone. This this light improvisation is like fresh. I need to get back into it, but I have these cycles um, that I go through, and that's that's definitely a cycle. Like the the wanting to go out and perform in this kind of way with specifically this idea this time. You know, that's still fresh. That's still uh, on the burner. Touching on uh, you and Rob uh, as uh, improvisational collaborators, um, his interests in improvisation uh, are are pretty well documented, um, and and there's a, a pretty clear through line. So for you uh, as partners, uh, how has that developed, uh, and where what's kind of the roadmap on that? Yeah, well, looking back on it, um, I didn't do any kind of um, performance art before he came up to me one day and he's like, hey, Angie, do you want to be a part of this group where you're the artist and I don't know what that means? And I'm like, yes, absolutely. I don't know what it means either. But in my, you know, this was like years ago in my one of my drawing classes, figure drawing classes, uh, a teacher had us like loosen up by making these marks on a page. And so I, I I felt comfortable loosening up in that way, just not being uh, figurative or um, representational. Um, even though I'm I'm good at that, uh, I I can do this other thing, and I knew that, and I felt comfortable with it, and I liked it. Uh, and one day um, in that class, that teacher decided to put some music on. It was jazz, not my favorite, but uh, we got to make something um, that responded to it, and. It was something that didn't repel me, and I was interested by it. So I thought when Rod came to me with this pro proposal, I'm like, okay, I have some reference point for this. I know what it feels like, kinda. I can, I know I can function in this way. Let's let's see what happens. Um, so the the improvisation there changed sonically for him and Gilbert, um, the guitarist at the time. Gilbert Kong, uh, whereas they had more like uh, songs and more structured songs with like a chorus that they would just play around the arranging with. And uh, so I came into that and it was it was not uh, cohesive because it was like two different parts trying to merge somewhere in the middle and blur the line in the middle. But it's like hodgepodge. Um, so slowly through that group the the song and the structure fell away it became more and more improvisation and noise um and uh the visuals informed the music which was not a given at the beginning um they became bigger so that the musicians could see what was happening um and all these things are important because it's it's like oh yeah of course the work gets bigger of course they have to see it but no it, i kind of feel like i had to discover these things you know um and that's that's how they got some input is by looking at it, uh, and again that seems obvious, but you have to also face it to um, or face the wall that I'm that I'm painting on, and it's not just 
uh, in a, on a separate wall that you can't see because there's obviously gear everywhere. You have to make like an effort to set things up in the right way for these, for you to all be communicating with each other. And and via what sense? Um, it wasn't important for me to look at them as it turned out. You know, even though I, uh, looking back on it now, I can see how maybe I could have done something more figurative or something having to do with their emotions. You know, there are lots of different ways to go. Um, but I, I chose to just listen um, and go large scale. What were those sonic clues for you that like, oh, this gesture or this um, one of your movements influencing them? What does that feel like for you as artists? What does that sound like? How could you perceive that? that? In particular, uh, that feeling comes more when um, I started putting contact microphones on the back of a canvas. Um, and then I also have like sonic output, uh, which they're manipulating, but I, I'm creating that as well. And then uh, the next big change is getting rid of the guitars, getting rid of the drums, and moving on to me making sound as well. And this being more more noisy, just because of the uh, the sound world I was, um, I guess, accessing with the canvas and the microphones. Uh, and it, it it was just like we tried it out, and it was like, oh my god, this is what it needs to be. And then I was able to. Um, have that connection with my body just use black and it with those things coming together like like a puzzle like you know things are just like slowly going into place being more and more um concrescent you know it's like uh it's very exciting it was very very exciting yeah is the use of black then because then you don't have to necessarily worry about that representative layer of having multiple colors to choose from and uh, being like, cool, this will obviously represent something than the last stroke, even though it might be the same impulse? Yeah, I didn't want to think about what it represented because it was too immediate. Like I said, the, the time frames I was able to, you know, absorb or um, be, be, work within, it, it's like oh, I didn't have enough time to think, okay, there's this now. How do I feel about this? And what color is that? Or, or you know, it's this harmony. And what does that mean to me? Like, I, I didn't have enough time to set up those analogies. Um, and furthermore, those analogies, I don't know how useful they are. If, if, if my, mm. um, if my uh, like, concerns are with um, synesthesia or something like synesthesia where we dissolve what we think um audio information is and visual information is how useful is it that i think in these metaphors and in these terms uh it's it does nothing for the sound i'm not seeing sound in this way i have to make it and then that feels really forced um and to top it all off if i brought in a color uh because it would have to be quick it, I knew I would be doing it because I knew it, it would uh, elicit like this particular reaction from the viewer. And I didn't want that either because that's uh, too manipulative. Um, mm -hmm. And I didn't want to think about how the viewer would want to respond to this work or is responding to the work. I didn't want to think about that at all. I just want to think about making it and dissolving the audio and the visual uh, in my experience of that moment. Um, so the best way to do that was stripping it down, just getting black on there so that I could still see the mark. So I see black and I hear the sound it makes. Cool. That's a one-to-one -one relationship, you know, and it's black isn't suggestive or it was, it was the most, um, neutral, 
pigment. I tried white, gray, lots different colors as well. I came to black. It was the most neutral. I, I thought what was most important for me whilst performing was uh, being in it and creating and listening and uh, and absorbing. Um, like the last thing on my mind is how oh how is this coming off? You know, <laughs> like like I, I actually I actually don't don't care. You know, um, I'm I'm just trying to survive uh, because I'm trying to keep up because sound moves so fast. Uh, I guess that's another thing is the the longer I stayed in it and did this the the slower it went like I could breathe more mm. at first it was like a tread uh, a treadmill um, that I just jumped on and had to find my footing but after a while it's like all right I can breathe here and that's why you would see more space in some of the some of the uh, older work this might be true of other improvisers too now that I'm saying it out loud like uh, sonic improvisers you might hear all these things and feel like oh you must you must play and touch every single moment, you know, or something. You mentioned uh, being able to breathe within your improvisation. Uh, so that, mm -hmm. that 10 second window then uh, expands over mm -hmm. uh, over the course of experience. So this, this 10 second window, it started off much more myopic. I'd like to say four seconds, three seconds, you know, it's, it's so small because they're playing so fast. It's like rock music also. Um, so it's kind of aggressive. Um, yeah, and it expanded and you find out, or I found out that I could um, be still and just listen for a while. Uh, and what a while meant for me, or, or that silence also expanded because I felt it um, maybe two seconds felt much longer because uh, of this kind of anxiety I was having. Um, but but having more confidence or being existing in that, in that uh, landscape... Um, yeah, ten, that window grew greater. Uh, and then my reaction to the material was much more varied. Because um, I'm thinking about relationships as well. And uh, in terms of my those drawings, those process drawings, I was, like I said, I sat down and I, I was uh, thinking about the relationships between things that I had just put down. Um, another example of that in video is... The video I did with this violinist um, for a piece called It's Fleece Electrostatic, where the relationship to the audio was uh, me also trying to figure out, okay, in this section we have this going on now, what relationships are there within there? So it's it's getting into the material, getting into the, the audio input for myself, and then figuring it out. Like, I, I keep going back to this, starting to think in that... Um, that's really big for me. And that's probably why a bunch of my work is looks so different. Um, because I, I don't find it, um, particularly enjoyable to sit down and just, uh, execute something. I'm, I'm, I want to find things out about it. I want to find things out along the way. I want to be surprised. Um, and these might be kind of like, um, I don't know, uh, this might also be obvious, but some things appear where you wouldn't think, uh, they're like magical things that happen, you know, when you get really deep into um, any kind of language. Uh, are you talking about starting to think in terms of sound or? Not necessarily. Um, so there's a bunch of things going on. There's uh, the tool I'm using. There's, there is the sound. There's the visual, there's the content of the visuals I'm making. Um, they all inform one another. Uh, the language ends up being 
something where they all mix in between because ideas come out of this um this merger and then of course i'm i'm a person and i walk around and i see things and i hear things so i bring all that with me uh yeah, that's the language. And that all happens in that window of time where I'm making that work. And that time is also important. It, it could, Even though um, I've moved away from these kind of like uh, legible, improvised performances, I time is still important in the works I make, even though they appear to be um, fixed media works, like drawings or videos. It's like I uh, when I'm working on them, Time is passing, um, so I, I see them as improvisations as well. There was something in the, um, the history of visual art that I really loved, uh, where uh, Rod is saying that eventually, while you guys were doing the kind of the fast-paced like rock stuff eventually there was a, a moment uh where he pulled everything back and then here's you uh but that's always been present like that is the act of doing anything generates noise and and that aural feedback um to view it as equitable then like that is a viable output just as much as your uh the, re the visual representation that ends up uh being left behind um it's, I don't know, it's just really prescient. It's cool. Thanks. Yeah, I think that's one of those things, as I said earlier, it, all these things might have seemed obvious to go bigger, to listen, to have them see. And this also might seem, in retrospect, as an obvious thing. Yeah, while I'm touching the surface, I'm making a sound. Um, but as the work developed, it got to a point where um, that moment was allowed to happen. So he, he stopped and... Uh, he had a, an apprehension of this um, input, of this audio input. And whereas before, he might not have noticed it at all. Like, you know, that we don't hear so much or see so much. Um, yeah, our senses have like a, a re re reducing valve. Um, we got to the point where he was so sensitized to what I was doing, because at that point, we were sometimes working as a duo that he apprehended that moment. He had the receptors for it, you know? And the receptors grew out of the previous work, and it, it had to happen slowly. Um, now, I, I suppose he could have just one day had the idea, hey, uh, I'm going to go quiet and let's see what happens with you, but that's not how this particular idea came through. It's like, oh, right, this, this is also something. Yeah, that was a great moment. I mean, I guess all artists have to use sense in a very heightened way in order to perceive, in order to perceive something that should be said but isn't said, uh, or should be manifested that hasn't manifested yet. Um, do you find that that synesthesia happens a lot more frequently uh, as you become more receptive? Do you find that you're becoming more receptive to it? It's, so there's like a world of difference between what I was able to hear um before and what I was able to hear towards the end. And by that, I mean, um, I guess just in the way that I worked with it, what kind of uh, um, things are being communicated through it. So n not just the patterns or the intention or 
jokes or you know there's there's so much that can be transmitted um but before it was much more like blunt my listening was very blunt and, and lo-fi and towards the end i was able to have a much more tactile sense of it like fine tactility um to where i could i could touch moments and i could cover moments with gesture and touch more sensitively um and yeah i i would be able to see it more um the the connection uh it reinforced itself. So I'm creating something visual. I'm listening to something. I kind of now have an idea about what this, sh uh, to me would look like, um, just because I've set those relationships up over years. Um, you know, dripping paint splatter, uh, ink spreading out, like each one of these things has a place in, and they have not one-to-one -one relationships with sound. But if I see like a, a blot, you know, um, kind of, dissolve out i can kind of imagine that you know what sound that's making um and how that would be personal to me given the history i've had i want to continue that with lights because uh it's very intense something physical happens with your eyes where your uh, pupil expands and contracts very quickly so it's uh the things that you're making have a very aggressive um well, they're very aggressively manipulating you as well. Uh, and that's exciting to me. And um, sometimes puts me in, in distress where it's like, oh, I can't, I can't handle any more of these lights. Let me step outside for a second. And that's, that's the edge I want to keep riding. Because if I push that further, yeah, there's some exciting stuff happening there. And I want to continue building that up so that I, I have that reference and that experience. It's kind of like, I guess if you go to the moon or deep sea diving that's a very unique experience um i want to have these experiences where uh that make living surprising and um not mundane um and this is this is definitely one of those things i feel like a scuba diver all of a sudden i put my mask on and all the biometric sensors and this light is bombarding me and um, freaking me out. My heart is racing. I got to calm down. Uh, I have to figure out how to manipulate other parts of my body because I, I have to figure out how to control it as well if I want to do anything that's worth uh, existing in because I'm I'm controlling it. It's not just doing things to me. That's that's yeah. That's worthwhile. For for your work with lights, is that built? Um, to then translate just to uh, video documentation of that process, or is that something that you want to bring out in front of others? It's something that I've brought others into. Um, so I'll do it in a room, um, just like a bedroom, which is a good size to do it in. I've tried it in bigger spaces and like uh, venues as well. And beyond a certain size room, it, it's, it gets diluted. People don't have that reaction that very physical reaction that I'm having. Whereas I think in, in a smaller room, they they do, because they've said as much. Um, I've had people say, uh, I can't take any more of this, I want to throw up. You know, <laughs> uh, things like this. And not not like as a criticism, like physically, the light is making them want to throw up. Yeah. You know, this is the, the kind of situation that I'm, you know, creating. Um, it's, yeah, it's pretty fantastic. And I've tried things for... Uh, an audience like taking uh 
uh, ping pong balls and making goggles so that all they see is the light and the diffusion of the light. Uh, so th that you feel like you're in an expansive space. You don't see the room at all. You just see the light. I don't want any kind of um, representational visual uh, figurative. Like even a room is too is too solid. What does just color and light mean? And what does that look like? So I've I've tried these kind of things um, or prisms. Um, prism glasses. Yeah. Yeah, I want to push that further. Is that something that then, um, like the, uh, I think the developments in like augmented reality or, uh, like vision based technology, uh, is that an arena that excites you that that's being developed so that you can kind of, cause you're doing it in a really like lo-fi way. That's really <laughs> yeah. like, you're like, cool. Yeah. Right? Ping pong balls will diffuse light, you know, but like in fucking 10 years, people are going to be walking around with like literal, just headgear that can yeah. be tapped into, I guess. I know, it's incredible. Today I went to the Polish section of my supermarket and I was able to translate the things on those uh, labels just with my phone and they changed right there in front of me. I, I thought it was, I obviously I knew about this, but like this was the first time I whipped it out and I'm like, this is just fantastic, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah, uh, but, uh, so the, uh, the kind of like new developments and those kind of technologies are exciting. I'll be more excited when they're more uh, accessible to me financially sure. and I can start playing with them more. Yeah. Um, right now I have no ideas for, I guess, something like, uh, uh, yeah, any kind of glasses or goggles that are out at the moment. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't be adverse to trying them out. Uh, I just haven't gone in that way and I'm, I'm not, um, I have no ideas to, to seek those out yet. Do you find inspiration then in the things that are within, like, I feel like when you work with audio or like sound generating things, it's this constant gear acquisition syndrome. You're like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah, the fucking 10 little pocket computers that I have that are generating electrical impulses and reading each other and working in tandem, this miracle of modern electronics isn't enough. I need this one extra thing to really do the thing I want. No, I think that's really healthy, actually. What you're describing there, I, I mean, not for the waste, but as far as like creativity and the way that you're growing into it, I, I'm all for that. Um, I, you were right next to an idea, and then all of a sudden, in your periphery comes this idea to introduce a new, um, a new device. Uh, great. It's like uh, you're bumping into these different things as you move through, through a crowd of people. You bump into different people. Um, you know, as you, as you move all the way across, uh, uh, what I'm saying is at the moment, uh, those kind of like virtual reality goggles are on the other side of the room. Like I'm right, not adjacent right, to it. Right. My thoughts aren't adjacent to it. Um, and I have those, those kind of concerns too, as a visual artist, like I went out and bought a bunch of oil paint. I'm like, Oh, I want oil paint. I don't have any, I'm going to have to buy all this oil paint, which is expensive. You know, um, if I want it to be any good, it's, or of any, quality at all like you're gonna cost a bit so yeah i think it's necessary you you take these things in um so that you can um manifest or uh it, it's like a, a merger like you need these physical things to have your thoughts um develop for you to know what it is that you're about to say the these these things which are tangible have to come to you or be around you and then you work in them and then these ideas come out like they assist one another uh the thoughts push the material the material pushes the thought 
you have a couple of things where you talk about um, specifically screen is a place. Um, and uh, especially because this conversation, A, is happening through webcams. B, yes. happened because we are both part of a forum uh, that is truly a community. Um, yes. Love to get more of your thoughts on that. Yeah. Um, so this idea came out of a time where I was, um, and I guess I still am, I like watching porno. And I like watching specifically, um, like, kink porno. Uh, bondage, um, all sorts of things. And uh, what what struck me about it, other than the obvious, yes, you get off while you watch it, and that's obviously enjoyable. But watching these videos, sometimes something would be happening on the screen, and uh, because of the bondage, maybe it's not like a point of view that I would be familiar with. So you'd see limbs and all sorts of conf configurations flattened by the screen. And for like a second or something, I would not know what I would be looking at. And, th and like that, that's, that excites me like more than like the sexual excitement I'm getting. I'm like, Whoa, what just happened there? What is like, I can't wrap my head around what, what is going on just because of the, like, I don't know where one body ends begins, like shapes are having like it, it maybe becomes abstracted or something. It's kind of like the maybe the the impression you get when you think you're hearing a song over the radio and it turns out to be a different song. Mm. Like that kind of like, whoa, what's happening here? Yeah. Um, so that came out of a time when I was watching a lot of this stuff. Um, and I have a favorite porn actress um, that I like to watch. Her name is Ingrid Mouth. And as a way to interface with these, um, with the the screen, that surface, I started tracing um, like a frame, a freeze frame. I would try to search for a frame that uh, just there would be like a something I wanted to uh, like study more. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. delve in, delve into a bit a bit more deeply. Like a moment will happen, and it feels like a timeless moment. Freeze frame. I'll get my paper out and I'll trace it. And I'll trace it so that I could um, feel the lines over it and understand the lines and the shape on the screen better. And during that time, uh, I, f I found it useful. It's like, okay, yeah, there is this kind of like, obviously that's not the person and this isn't like a sexual act and I'm not involved in that way. This is, this is um, a relationship to the image they're projecting, like the digital image they're projecting as if that was an entity, you know? And that's what I was thinking. Um, and then I, I was internalizing it by moving over it, uh, and tracing that line and moving my eyes over the line as I did this. Um, now at the same time, this was when Rod and I were dating a webcam girl also. So we had a kind of, so we would see her on screen and it'd be like, oh, wow. Like everything was happening all at once. And that was kind of serendipitous too. Um, that that would happen during uh, the time I would be making this work. And knowing her in real life and knowing how she was on screen as opposed to off screen also changed some of my ideas about what that was. Um, I think the impetus was going back to... Did you ever see that uh, uh, Marina Abramovich, the artist is present? Yeah. Now, now, there's a scene there where she stops and she looks directly into the camera and it feels like she's looking at you. Mm. And I thought, okay, if I can feel as if she's looking at me right now, uh, I, I sat down and I tried to do that face-to-face -face thing, but just using the, the video, 
I thought, okay, then there, there's something to explore. There can be a relationship with the screen. Something is transmitted. And that's, that started with uh, Marina Bromwich's work. And I decided right then, I'm like, okay, yes, this is also useful. Like, I just made that decision, just putting myself in that situation. It didn't feel fake. It didn't feel like... It felt like the... When you have a moment with somebody, I knew what she was trying to do in the movie and in her work. And I, I tried to think, is this a convincing way to do that? Because you can only reach so many people in a physical body having um, all these digital ways to communicate and having like our communication system ex expanded. Um, can we make contact with all these people, even though it's mediated through technology? Yes. Um, even if it's separated by a technology and time, because she filmed it earlier. Yeah, I got the sense that of of her um and that will be in, encapsulated in that video and after she dies that will be some part of her is in that um like that's valid that's uh that's the person also you know mm -hmm. not the whole person that is part of the person um so yeah all these things fed into that and uh yeah that that was the thinking behind the screen is a place the screen is a, and as you said, we're having this conversation right now. Um, this is, there are some things that are cut off. We don't have our sense of touch or smell um, available to us with one another, but we can hear each other and see each other, and that that's good enough for verbal communication. And there's some other types of communication that can happen just through um, photograph as well, you know? Um it's all just experience of that other person. I guess it is about practice, right? You're practicing watching TV in a passive form rather than hmm. practicing still maintaining human connection and just adjusting for what senses you don't have in the moment and heightening the ones you do. Um, and two, I, I'd assume that that takes practice in the projection of self. You know, a camera comes out or uh, a, a post is about to go up on Facebook, you're like, oh, this is fucking everything. I really have to nail this. I have to, <laughs> have to fucking get this candid moment really right. Yeah, um, the projection of self. So you're not necessarily what it is that you look like either, right? So someone might take a photo of you just because they have that, um, that surface image. That's not you necessarily. I mean, it's something. It's something, but it's not... Uh, the eye we were talking about earlier, mm -hmm. that's not that. Um, yeah, there must be intentionality and projection. I was talking to a, a violinist friend of mine, Mara Benjamin, and she um, said something really interesting. I was filming her for a video we were doing, and I told her, oh, for a second there, you look like somebody else. <laughs> and she very quickly said, oh, that's because I wasn't <laughs> I wasn't being myself, I wasn't projecting. And I thought, what? what? And she's like, oh yeah, no, I project something when I'm up on stage, and I wasn't doing that right now. Yeah. That's why I look, maybe look like somebody else, and that just blew my mind. She literally looked like a different person, not in like a... I mean, she she reminded me of somebody else to the degree where I thought that it was that other person. Yeah. You know? Um, she's like an amazing performer, so when she turns on that switch, I don't know anything about, about what it is she's doing. Like, she's like doing some voodoo there but it's it's that intentionality with the the projection that's a muscle yeah um and going back to what you were saying we have this uh habit of sitting in front of a screen and turning off um i think the screen is just a a place a tool i don't think it's necessarily neutral but um it also depends on what kind of activities happening on the screen like right now i'm very engaged in what you're saying 
Now, if this was like a TV show, like a Top Chef or something, I might just have it on in the background and yeah, things will be going on and I might need to be reminded what they literally just said, yeah. you know. But it's a different kind of thing. Yeah, it's passive receiving. Here we're, ha we're having, um, this is an activity. Right. You know? Um, and it, you can you can create your own activities. Like I created my own in, in those drawings. I don't. Um, yeah, that that was just a different way to relate to the screen. You are someone who's lived within. Uh, uh, a few different iterations of cultures. Oh yeah. 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 I just want to dive into that a little bit too. Like how have you navigated those shifts? What are the things that, uh, you find inspiration in or impetus in, um, uh, and, and, and what do you root yourself in, uh, culturally then? Gosh, this is something I've thought about somewhat. Um, not feeling like, uh, like I fully belong to this culture because I moved to England about 10 years ago. Yeah. And I'm not as British as, you know, the ex-generation British person that lives three doors down from me. I don't have that that kind of uh, heritage, you know. Um, so what am I? I? I think I'm acultural. I'll tell you where I'm from. I'm from the 90s. Yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> like more than anything else, that's where I'm from, the early 2000s and the 90s. And I'm that that person. I'm the alternative kid that grew up then in a big city, Miami. Um, and, you know, pop culture is what informed me. Is that a healthy place to have come out of? I don't know, but that, that was my reality. You know, I grew up in concrete. Um you know, it's, that's, that's what it was. Uh, now going back earlier than that, I was born in Colombia and I spent a significant amount of time there in my youth and took vacations there because I had, I have family there. Um, and I guess what came out of that was, uh, making that transition to Miami. I felt also like an outsider. I, I, didn't speak Spanish like the rest of the kids in South in Miami were speaking Spanish. So I kind of rejected uh, Spanish and I just identified more to the like Anglo white part of me, which is just a, a yeah, that was just like a brutal reaction I had mm. so that uh, I wouldn't be judged as a kid, I guess. Um, there weren't enough white kids around. So I, there was n nothing to compare me to, <laughs> you mm. know? So I, I've always been an outsider. I felt, um, and then going back to Colombia, coming back from Miami, because I would travel back and forth, I would be the outsider there too, because I wasn't from there. So I've always felt, um, like culturally, uh, I don't have like this, I don't have those roots. Now, um, like anybody else that does, I have a family that I came from and I can tell you what those experiences were like. And I'm sure, um, they have influenced me in some way, but it's not like what I draw on, you know, and I don't reflect on that stuff often, um, just cause it's just not, uh, yeah, it's just, it's like a book I have read and it's not my, you know, I don't know. Like, it's just a story. It's, it's, it's not, um, something I need to revisit very often. I feel like it's kind of happened. I don't know. Cultures and, uh, and roots are a funny thing. Uh, and more than anything, I feel like the relationships I've had have made me, um, 
into the person. Like I'll, I'll have dramatically changed after meeting a person or a group of people. Um, even if I'm drawn to an idea, uh, I'll, I'll feel that idea came out of a particular person uh, or a group of people mm -hmm. and not think of it as just like the, this, this free floating abstraction. Um, yeah. I think of ideas as tied to those people. So I, I'm, Culture has to do with uh, feeling a relationship to something that's more anonymous, I feel, like a relationship to the many or something bigger, whereas I have relationships with people, I guess. That's how I feel. Thank you for tuning in to Sound and Process Episode 4 with Angela Guyton. To learn more about Angie's work, visit our website at angelaguyton.com. As always, this podcast explores and celebrates the online community Lines, which serves as the forum for instrument and your rack module maker Monome. To join in on the conversation, please visit us at llllllll.co. That is 8Ls.co. And we'll see you next time.